Welcome to the Faith and Mental Health Podcast. My name is Kelsey Newsom. I work as a macro social worker in West Michigan. And I'm Bruce Vendrager. I work as Executive Director of Pastoral Services for an organization in West Michigan called Hope Network. Together, we are the hosts of the Faith and Mental Health Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bearing Hope, a collaborative group made up of the Christian Reformed Church in North America, the Reformed Church in America, Hope Network, Pine Rest Christian Mental Health Services, and the Mental Health Foundation of West Michigan, Be Nice. We believe, particularly now, it is vital to begin conversations about mental health and faith. Together, we will explore questions and topics about leadership while also maintaining mental health, leading others who are new to understanding mental health, parenting through mental health, and so much more. We are concerned about thoughtfulness around mental health as it relates to all aspects of life and faith. Welcome to the Faith and Mental Health Podcast. We are pleased to have with us today Christy Buck, the Executive Director and Founder of the Be Nice Program with the Mental Health Foundation of West Michigan. Christy, welcome to our show. It's great to be here today. Tell us a little bit about your background, your experience with mental health, and how you're applying that today, and we'll, we'll get into the Be Nice program itself. So, um, you know, over 34 years ago, I did get my first job working in um, a day treatment program for people struggling with a severe and persistent mental illness. And from there, a lot of my job was increasing awareness and decreasing stigma, which is the number one barrier to people seeking treatment. And um, my journey then went, led to um, having an opportunity to be the director of the Mental Health Foundation of West Michigan. So the foundation is um, the root of creating awareness surrounding mental health, ultimately creating awareness about when it becomes a mental illness, the onset, and then ultimately suicide prevention. Because if people can um, find the right help, get good treatment, Suicide is preventable, and I'm a believer in this. Um, in addition, I'm quite involved in my um, home parish, Holy Trinity Greek Orthodox Church, and I'm a believer that Be Nice is just a great, uh, great crossover program to faith communities. So the Be Nice program, and for those who are not familiar with it, it is an acronym, uh, which Christy will uh, lay out for us in just a moment. The proper way to write it is be nice with a period at the end of it, correct? Um, Got it. How did it get its start, and um, how do you how do you teach it today? Talk to us about what what those letters mean. Yeah, so um, it is a program, and the program is an overarching way that everybody should be treating each other. Okay, so when we created the program, it was in response to a death by suicide of a young man who went to Rutgers University his death gained national attention. And the attention went on to cyber bullying. So when the story came out, that's what we were talking about was cyber bullying. And in fact, we weren't talking about really what the underlying reason is that he took his life. He had depression. So yes, bullying is something that can have an effect on someone's mental health, but there are numerous other things that can have an effect on someone's mental health. So Be Nice was created with the intention to go out into the community and notice how we treat each other and the effect that it has on someone's mental health. So that also means respect. 
civility, right? How should we, how we should be. The golden rule, right? Do unto others as how you would want them to do unto you. Easy. But then nine months later, we said, okay, we need a more of an action plan to go with this. Like it's not just something to go be nice because then that's what people were interpreting it as. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're the be nice lady. You got that on your shirt. So the acronym now became the action plan. So it's two bold. It's a program with a brand. It is an action plan with action. So notice, invite, challenge, and empower. So we created the program specifically to go into schools um, by 2014. So that was back in 2010 when this young man passed away. By 2014, we had a great program that we knew it needed to go into an actual package, a kit. So we created a Be Nice kit. And the kits then were piloted. We mailed it out to four different school districts, urban, suburban, and rural, to see, what do you think about this program? And they had questionnaires. And everything came back. Like It works. It's great. You get students involved to make the movement in your school, to have a better understanding about how we're treating each other. But then ultimately, if I begin to notice a change in people's behavior with things that might be going on, I have a duty to invite myself to reach out challenge that person to get help, challenge myself to go let an adult know that I'm worried about this individual, and then empower. And that's empowerment with resources, with tools for coping, resiliency, all that good stuff. So then by 2016, now we've we've got a lot of schools on board with the kit, and we enlisted Grand Valley State University to come on and do an evidence-based research study on the program. And now... I'm proud to say that the program showed culture change in the school. People were more apt to talk about mental health. They were more apt to not um, have fear to go to the counseling office in their school. Students were able to talk about mental health openly, therefore decreasing stigma. So now here we are, 2021, right? We, um, in the past three years, we've created be nice business and be nice faith because we believe you cannot contain something like this just into one silo. If you want to get to the masses, you've got to provide the program, the action plan to parents, to aunts, to uncles, to faith leaders, to owners of large companies where you might have a wellness program. So, um, you know, and our next big step also coming up this year are universities. So, you know, I'm not afraid when there's a loss of someone to suicide. I don't fear that I'm going to offend anybody by knocking on a door and saying, can we help you out? Would you like to help us out? And so, you know, we found that Be Nice is also really healing for people who, are, who have lost someone to suicide. Christy, I know we could spend a whole week talking about each letter of the acronym, um, but what's like the, the elevator speech version of it? Um, so keeping in mind that our intended audience here is faith leaders, um, whether they're employed or volunteers, they're leading in a faith setting somewhere. Um, so can we dig into each of those, those letters a little more? 
You got it. And, you know, the big thing for faith leaders is they are on the front lines. I mean, they're oftentimes the first people, first person, person of a priest, a minister, a clergy, your youth leader that somebody might go to. So this is why I'm understanding these letters with the action plan are so important. So the, um, the B is to be aware. So that also means something. But then the N in, in nice means to notice. Notice the good, the right. So I need to go out and be that part of the program. I'm going to notice the good, the right about everybody. I'm going to be complimenting people. I'm really going to get to know people in my parish, people in my faith community. I'm going to know what's going on with them, what makes them tick. I'm going to get to know them with their hobbies that they love. I'm going to get to know this person. Why? Because that allows me to notice what is different. Suddenly, this person do it, isn't doing the same things that they used to do. They've dropped out of ministries that we have at the church. They're not coming to our services, our liturgy anymore. They're not coming to the Bible study that they used to come to. Whatever may have changed, right? It's my, now it's me, I have to step in and go to the next step in the action plan, and that is to invite. So invite is inviting myself to start a conversation. And how do I do that? I go back to the end. I have noticed that you have not been in church lately. I've missed you, okay? So it's not gonna be um, putting in a guilt that I haven't seen you in church lately. Following it up with, I've missed you. Is everything okay? This is not typical of you to have missed. What does that do then? It creates a conversation, all right? It lets me understand maybe there's other things going on, you know? Maybe their car broke down. They have no way to get to our community anymore. I didn't know that. Can I help you out with something? Well, we're going to need a new car. Maybe that's it, right? Who knows? But those little things that may be impacting these other things that we think are little could be really big to folks, okay? So now I have to look at all those things that could be having. I've got to really think about these other things and the effect that they can have on someone's mental health. And those are many things right now having to do with COVID. I mean, we know there are so many complications, so we can't be afraid to talk to individuals about how's it affecting you? Tell me what's changed in your life. All right. So notice the good, the right, so I can notice the different, invite myself to have a loving, caring conversation. I'm going to get to the C and that might be right now. My gut is, is this person is really struggling how they're telling me they have no solutions to things that are going on right now. They haven't been able to find help. They haven't been able to um, take care of some of these larger, what they might think, problems in their life, okay? So I go to challenge, and it may be, have you ever thought about talking to somebody? I'm glad you're sharing this with me today. Have you ever thought about um, talking to a counselor or seeking out some resources? Have you been to your doctor lately to let him know how you're feeling? Oh, that would be too embarrassing or I don't have any money to pay for that. And at that point, you're challenging the stigma, the C, but you're also finding out more information as to maybe why this person is hesitant and possibly seeking out resources. And then at that point also, these are big decisions. Maybe this person is even giving me that feeling that they're thinking about taking their life. And these are conversations that might come up. You know, my life is not worth living. I'm just a terrible parent. The decisions that I've made, I've made everybody unhappy. I'm a terrible son. I'm a terrible husband. I've sinned. I'm worthless. I mean, all of a sudden now, 
as an individual that's going through the plan at that challenge part, you may have the feeling that I need to ask this person if they're thinking about taking their life. And that's where it becomes that suicide prevention action plan of having the ability to ask a tough question. You know, the way you're talking and the, what you said to me that your life is not worth living or that um, you're better off, your family is better off without you really is very concerning to me. And I'm going to ask you this question because I need you to be honest with me and tell me, I want you to tell me, are you thinking of killing yourself? And asking the question without dread, without guilt, without um, the fear (laughs) of what they're going to say back to me, because it's very important that we ask this question. And we know asking the question saves lives. So, you know, it's twofold in there, right? Because I might not get to asking the question because, gosh, I've got, him, I've got this person set up, right? With these large things that might be going on in their life that they can't put food on a table. You know what? I'm getting you to a food pantry. And you know what? I'm going to get you to that food pantry. I'm not just going to give you the phone, all right? And then empower. Empower is at that challenge piece, help support. I'm giving them resources, right? Um, because oftentimes... When people are thinking about suicide, they've reported, this is in research, they've reported that they have this distress full of depression, anger, anxiety, and a big one is the inability to find a solution to an ongoing problem. And if I can just normalize that and say, wow, that's a big problem for that person. I'm going to help them right now. And it's helping them in the way that Jesus helped, you know what I mean? You don't just say, go to the well, go go do this. No, man, I'm going to help you. So that's empowerment. And at the same time, through your help and support, you're empowering them because they know somebody loves them. Um, you know, and oftentimes our churches, that's what we're all about. That's, that's our job. That is our duty. So that's why I love Be Nice Faith because it makes so much sense to me. So that's the action plan. That was a long elevator ride. (laughs) We're all the way to the top. Um, Chrissy, as you're talking, I'm thinking about my own experience with my own mental health. Um, And I'm thinking, so I know that we're talking a lot about suicide here, um, but I think the beauty of what you've created is that it applies to all emotions and all mental health. So for me, my depression at the height of my depression was not suicidal thoughts. It was thoughts of never wanting to get out of bed and wanting to drop out of school and just quit my job and just be. And one of the most helpful, tangible things someone did for me was say, hey, let me take this responsibility back from you. Um, It was like a specific work-related task. And I'm going to give that time back to you so you can use that time to go to therapy. And so you have four extra hours in your week now, and you can use it to take care of yourself. And I'm Yeah, I'm just thinking through all the different ways that this can play out that you wouldn't know if you didn't start by noticing and you didn't start by inviting the conversation. I got the chills and that is exactly it, you know, and oftentimes, um, you know, even with kids, you know, we we definitely trivialize these these um, feelings that they have, you know, breakup of relationships. Mm-hmm. Right now, right now at this time, we're dealing with the loss of a lot of things in kids' lives on how they connect to their school, right? And we know that being connected to your school is just so important. And so what we're seeing is increase in depression, increase in kids thinking about suicide. And 
also just thinking that they could just get over these things. And these are big things in kids' lives. And we know their brains develop differently and, you know, they're very impulsive. So having open conversations about what I'm noticing, you know what, you're isolating yourself more. You're not coming to the dinner table. What is going on? You always are at the dinner table. What is going on? Asking these questions instead of get to the dinner table right now. You know, we always eat dinner as a family or letting them isolate themselves. So, um, you know, we've just got changing times right now. And that that's why this action plan is just so important and very simple to put into play. Christy, I was thinking and, and Kelsey's comments too, um, especially about noticing. Um, it reminded me of, uh, in my seminary training in my pastoral care class, um, talking about a kind of a simple phrase that actually Walt Whitman, the American poet wrote once was, um, be curious, not judgmental. And, um, we talked about what that means for pastoral care. Uh, you know, being curious in terms of, first of all, getting to know people well enough within the, the ministry context uh, that you serve so that you can notice when there are differences going on and not, you know, necessarily making assumptions. But then when you do see these changes, um, you know, noticing them and, and not assuming that you know why um, is the examples that you gave. Like, why did you stop showing up and just make an assumption uh, but to, to ask that question. Um, and, and I think that's, I I'd like to think that stuck with me throughout my ministry is, you know, to be curious and not judgmental, not to rush to conclusions about why somebody might be acting that way. Uh, but first of all, the only way I can do that is by getting to know them in the first place. You got it. And it is, it's just that noticing. And that's what I love about the simplicity of the overarching macro be nice. And that's noticing the good and the right. And so oftentimes um, people don't feel good about themselves. And sometimes we don't go that extra step to let somebody know, hey, did you get your hair cut? And even though they may have just gotten a millimeter, right? Milla, milla, whatever. It's different for you, Bruce. But uh-huh. noticing that, that nobody else is going to even notice it. All right. I do that a lot. I do a lot with hair sometimes just because it's the easiest thing to pick up on. Like, oh my gosh, I love your hair. And you know what? They may have just colored it pink, but I know it was different than the last time I saw them. Mm -hmm. All right. And that's okay. Um, You know, we've got to let people know the good and the right. And also that brings us, if I'm implementing this program for people that maybe all right, it's really hard to work next to that person, okay? They chew their gum so loud or whatever. Um, but you know what? I'm going to look for the good and the right because that person is, makes a difference on my life, whether it be at work or whether it be um, in our faith, our congregations, um, going out of our way just to really let someone know good and right. And that takes a lot. And if you look at the plan in that macro sense, You've invited yourself, right, to let them know that now, because I've noticed the good, the right, I'm going to let them know that. But it's often a challenge because, gosh, they're going to probably think that I'm, you know, annoying or or that boy's going to think I have a crush on him if I tell him this or that girl's going to want to be my girlfriend, whatever, right? Let it go. Because ultimately, who knows what was going on at their home, what's going on at school. Here, you know what, we're going to concentrate on this. I oftentimes, when I'm going and teaching to school districts in particular, I'll say, 
Bottom line is, is the eight hours that they're at school could be the best eight hours of their day because going home is miserable, all right? Fighting, arguing, a single parent where you go home and your mom's not home, you go home and you're going home to babysit your siblings because your mom has to be at work, three jobs, who knows, right? Um, and that's how we all have to look at it. You never know what people are going through. So feed them as much, you know, kindness, consideration, niceness. You've mentioned that this Be Nice program really got its, you know, was birthed in particularly in the school system. And now you bring it, bringing it into faith communities and businesses. Um, as we think about this particular podcast, these are, you know, our target audience is faith leaders um, and, uh, you know, leaders in the church and just those associated with the church as we address mental health um, issues and concerns. So be honest with us as you've tried to implement it into faith communities. Do you sense any kind of resistance um, or acknowledgement of mental health issues? You know, it, I mean, historically, at least in some traditions, we haven't treated mental health issues the same way we've treated physical illnesses and the way that we are transparent and we talk about them within our, our ministry settings. For sure. I mean, it's come a long way. And uh, for us as an organization, we kept knocking on doors. And even today, here we sit with the um, Reformed Church and the Christian Reformed Church and um, Terry and Mark, who are my good friends, would not, they know that five years ago we were knocking on their door. Well, um, we don't know. We don't know. Kept knocking, kept knocking. And before you know it, here we are having a conference because it is, it is so right here. And, you know, there's, a, there's build up now because now we hear about it every day, right? With COVID especially. Um, you know, and they're talking about mental wellness, <laughs> and we know that a majority of people, the majority are mentally well, okay? Those who might be struggling are about one in five adults a year, right? Mm -hmm. Although right now we're going to have an increase because why? Because we've got more risk factors being thrown at people. So all of a sudden the person that has it all together, because I go to work every day, I get my, my mojo, I get my energy from being around people. Suddenly you're working at home by yourself. Um, in your living room, in your house, whatever. Um, you're, in a, you're working and your kids are in back of you, right? So now we have more challenging times. So numbers are going up. So now it's even more important to make sure that we are pushing out these empowerment pieces. And one of the empowerment pieces, these protective factors that protect our mental health is faith. <laughs> and so I think um, our churches are seeing it also because the way they had to congregate also is having an effect on the leaders of the church, on their mental health. I mean, they get their energy, right? From, I look at my own church, the energy comes from the congregates and who will be there to commune, to take Holy Communion that day, to participate in the liturgy. So that's where I think, you know, the next big moves are also is like taking for our leaders that are here today an understanding about your own mental health. And I know that that is one of the podcasts. So I'm number two. I'm going to encourage everybody to keep listening to our podcasts for more information about mental health of pastors and your, the congregants. 
It's such a good plug for the rest of the season. Christy, I'm thinking about what you were saying originally when you were defining the challenge step. I'm wondering what you have to say to pastors who are on the receiving side of that. So a friend may have noticed something in someone and they said, hey, I know you have a great relationship with your pastor. Why don't you talk to them? They might be safer to talk to than a therapist. Um, And I know that pastors often feel stuck when they're in that situation and they want to care, um, like provide care, but they also don't have the clinical mental health training. And so how do we navigate those kind of blurred lines between um, intervening in these situations? So I think the biggest, my favorite word of everything is just hope, right? So how do I instill hope? And how we instill hope is by, for one, and I love prayer, obviously, right? Specific praying for what we need praying for. And that could be putting it out there about the turmoil that this person is going through right now, the distress, okay? That might be a time where you could also refer to scripture, right? But then ultimately really is um, seeking out and having at my disposal resources. So this is why at every congregation, you should have Um, information on where people can go get help. And you are at your desk, wherever you are, you're in the sanctuary with this individual, you are going to have at your disposal resources for this person. And what's going on is just like any illness, right? Where can I get help? Where can, where is their hope? The hope is in the help. (laughs) It really is. Because what does that do when I get diagnosed with, something of a physical illness, right? Um, My back went out. Okay, I'll give that one because it really did. And I was in severe pain from this pinched nerve. And my daughter was with me at the time. I mean, I didn't think I was going to be able to move. And she said, mommy, they all call me mommy still, even though I'm in my 50s. Um, We're going to call my chiropractor. All right. So I said, I've never been to a chiropractor, right? But She called on my behalf and said, we got to get my mom in, okay? I went, and this person provided so much hope to me that my back is going to get better. I mean, at that moment, I was, I'm never going to walk again. I mean, the thoughts that were going through my head, right? And this is what we have a job to do. This is our duty to let someone know that is so much pain mentally, And these are things that you can notice. These are those conversations that happen when I'm telling this person what I'm noticing and inviting myself, what is going on? Please tell me what is going on. All right. This sense of relief happens at that point to even say what's going on. And then, you know what? We can find solutions. And if I can't find them, then this person can help us. So what happened? Hope. And I know, um, in some churches, in fact, one of our speakers that's going to be coming up um, in a few weeks, another, I think, episode seven, um, it's really important to listen to that, too. This is one of my own priests who is on a speaking tour with me about suicide in general, and he was so awesome. At a presentation we did together, he said, the church is in the business of suicide prevention. I was like, whoa. Wow. Wow. My Orthodox priest said that. Yeah, because we're in the business of hope. We're in the provide the business of providing someone with hope that you can feel better, right? 
there's no promises of anything, right? But you can feel better. And it might start with seeing a counselor. It might start with making a phone call to the suicide prevention hotline. You know, these are tools that I'm not equipped with, but boy, I can pray. I can read scripture with you. Um, I'm here to listen. I'm here to talk to you. Uh, Those are all, again, hope. Now, I also want to say that in our audience today, if there's youth leaders, um, the program is just so amazing. And one of my favorite um, group of youth leaders that I did a workshop with were camp counselors. And so I know so many churches are affiliated with awesome camp experiences. And awesome at, at, at these awesome camps, kids often feel like they're in a safe environment to be able to just like let loose with all of this stuff that's going on. Like, right? All right, tonight after, you know, the vigil or after we're going to have a time where you can speak with the clergy or the ministers or we'll all be in chapel together or you can come out and talk about any difficulties that you might thinking be thinking about. And these are serious conversations because kids might all of a sudden say, I tried to kill myself earlier this year or I've had thoughts of killing myself. You know, let's pray for Jacob. I mean, that's awesome. But we have to be ready to respond to these situations. And we know that our relationships with these kids is short-lived. Really, it is, right? My job at this camp is two weeks. So there have to be mechanisms in place where we're all in this. Like churches are working together at these camps. And when kids go to camp, that we're ready to have possibly back at their home church. This is what's going on. We need to be transferring this information that I might have. So um, we work we work a lot with camp counselors to let them know that you're in a short-lived situation with kids. And as much as you want to do for them, you are not counselors. You're a camp counselor. There's a difference. So anyway, that's a little plug for Be Nice and um, youth leaders and great camps that are out there that are affiliated with our faith communities. What are you seeing in a macro sense um, over the past year or so? Um, so I've heard people talk about a mental health crisis um, collectively because of the, the trauma of the pandemic. Um, and I would hope that people are also more willing to have this, these conversations. Are you seeing any sort of trends? Um, do you have any observations or even statistics Yeah, it is interesting. So I'll specifically talk about our county that we're in, Kent County. And we saw the rate of suicide decrease. We did. So there's, at the time right now, there are 60 deaths by suicide, 24 pending. All right, they're still investigating. So these numbers will come out. But even so, even if 10 out of those 24 were at 70, And that's still down from the 87 or 89 that we had last year. Now, what does this mean? Well, people were at home. People were around supports, right? Um, There was hope in that there were stimulus checks provided for some people, right? The unemployment, that money. Okay, now this stuff is running out now. I've also been out of work for a lot longer. I own a business that... I have to shut down. I mean, now we're seeing this 
And what happens and what has been seen in research that during pandemics, right, and we're coming not out of it, we're still in it, but mm. things are still not the, they're even worse, let's mm. say it, even with the vaccination, which is awesome. It's giving people hope, okay? We, we still know that there's something out there. So they have seen an increase of 22% in other studies that were, were done during pandemics, okay? So the SARS pandemic. So there could be a trend, and this is why these conversations need to be ongoing. We need to be brave enough to, to have um, the skill to ask someone if they're thinking about suicide. We've got to be ready right now in our back pocket with the resources, where does someone go to get help? I had insurance, I have no insurance. Where do I get help? Um, on our website, we actually do have some information on resources, okay? Um, family members could all of a sudden say, wow, my son is not the way he was anymore. I mean, he had a, a literal breakdown. He won't even come out of the house anymore. There's support groups for families that live with a loved one that is struggling with a mental health disorder. They need help also, right? So that's going to be, that's my main want and desire is for, for people just to load people with resources. Where can you get help? And that just doesn't mean giving somebody a brochure. It means maybe walking side by side with them. I'll sit with you while you make that phone call. That's a hard phone call to make. And I'm going to sit here with you right now. One of the frustrations, um, I have heard voiced with, you know, the mental health system as a whole is when you are ready to make that call or to, um, you know, to maybe take the next step is, is sometimes the, the gap between that call and when you can get in to, to see help, when you can, you know, see a counselor for the first time. Um, is there anything that, you know, in the meantime, a person can do or, or how somebody can support someone who's, you know, gotten to that point, but now it's going to be three weeks before they can actually get in. Yeah. You know, and for in that situation, it's making sure that you have family and friends that are there to support you, that you're looking to those people that um, help you feel good. You know, um, sometimes when I'm feeling bad, I'm going to tend to call somebody else that feels bad. And think, oh, okay, there's a commonality. I'm just going to call and might as well call this. Miserate, yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Instead, one of my protective factors would be be around positive people. Be around people that make me feel good. Um, if it's not my family, then you better believe it. I'm going to make a phone call. In these times, though, we know social distancing is um, all over the place. Um, here, it's wintertime right now. It's not like I want to go meet a friend at the park and sit down and talk because it's, you know, two degrees. Um, and this is why, you know, Zoom, an opportunity just to see a person's face, picking up the phone, um, vice versa. If I know somebody's struggling right now and they're having a hard time because those are good conversations to have to get in, um, you know what, then let's talk every day. Um, let's play a game over Zoom, whatever I can do to help that person get through that hard time. But remember, I've got to be ready to ask the question if I'm seeing that this person is beginning to say, I'm never getting into this appointment. I'm just going to, there's no point in even living anymore. I mean, these comments, right? Mm. It's going to be me that's going to say, you know what? I, we are going to go get help right now. Okay. And it may be because there's crisis lines galore. Get that resource. 
Who are these crisis lines in your area right now? We know the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is awesome. 1-800-273-8255. The text line is 741-741. All right, have those in my back pocket and make sure that this person has this. It may be that, you know what, I'm not going to be able to get into a clinician for three weeks. What am I going to do? Well, for one, I'm going to start. I'm going to get to give you this phone number. Okay. The suicide prevention hotline. Well, why are you going to give me that? I don't want to kill myself because you know what, right now, you never know what's going to happen. You are struggling right now. I'm going to be there for you. Right. But what if I'm not there right there when you need me at three o'clock in the morning? Mm-hmm. All right. And we know that these nighttime times are often the most difficult times for people. They're alone. There's no one to talk to. I'm up because I am so worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. We know this. So it's important. I mean, how many times did I say it that somebody has resources in addition, you know, the, the big thing that did come out of the pandemic is the teletherapy. So that's probably one of our bright sides is Mm. it, it is a little bit more you're able to access, right? Maybe clinicians that you couldn't get into. So I think that's really important also, you know, and seeing your primary care physician is also a good thing. If you have a good relationship with that person, uh, many um, primary care physicians, these offices are bringing social workers into their practice. That's a bright spot right now. So they know that, wow, this is a mental health situation going on right now with this person. I'm going to bring in the social worker. And so what happened? Hope. And then that piece of the pie to possibly get into treatment quicker. In addition, employee assistance programs are key. And that gives you full access to a clinician. Typically, it's 24-7. And you get treatment right away for free. Um, I think it's between three to six weeks for some plans. And oftentimes, employees don't even know they have this amazing benefit. Also, what's happening, a big movement, are some of the clinical behavioral health offices are opening up, it's called church assistance programs. It'd be a great thing for our listeners today to Google that and see, wow, is there a church assistance program in my community? And the setup for those are like, you know, employees. It's, it's worth putting an investment into that if you can't have a ministry that might be set up within your community for mental health. Well, thank you, Christy. Um, in fact, the two of those things that you just spoke about will be uh, in future episodes. Episode six, Bob Vanderpool will talk about the church assistance and employee assistance programs through Pine Rest. And then also uh, the last episode that we have planned for this season, which is a local business owner uh, whose entire organization, I believe, went through the Be Nice training and how that was implemented to uh, to really come alongside of an employee of an employee who was in crisis just a few months ago, and they're going to share that story. Yeah, I am thrilled with um, all of the episodes. I just think are going to be awesome and amazing. So I encourage everybody to tune in for all of them. For more information about everything that I've spoken with today, um, you can contact us at benice.org. 
The emails come directly to our team. We have nine staff members that are going to be there to answer and assist with questions and um, just kind of carouse around our website and see all the good things we're doing. Um, we have the ability to take the pledge. That's not making a donation, but of course, everybody can always do that also. But it is um, watching four little videos, 12 minutes total for um, on this plan again. So I encourage and I thank everybody for listening to our podcast, episode two.